to be together. I'm so excited for Day Camp Sunday. It's amazing. Uh, But kids, even though obviously Day Camp is what we're mainly excited about, there is something else special about this Sunday. Do do any of you kids know what today is? Anybody know? Father's Day. Yes, it is. So why don't we say Happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the room. Ready? One, two, three. Happy Father's Day. Yes, and I hope you are having a magnificent Father's Day. Um, There is meat to be eaten around here. On Mother's Day, we have cake pops. On Father's Day, we have meat pops. So you can, uh, after service, go down to the atrium and get a meat pop there. Amazing. Um, So I went for the bacon-wrapped hot dog. It was delicious. So you can go uh, check that out. Um, Oh, also, speaking of Mother's Day and Father's Day, on Mother's Day, my wife got to pray a prayer for all the moms. And so I said, I wanted to get to pray uh, on Father's Day. And so before we get jumping into the message, we're just going to pray together just a prayer for fathers. Maybe you'll join me in this prayer. God, we come to you in need of your mercy and your grace. Uh, There's so many complicated ways we need to pray on Father's Day. I pray for people who are struggling to become a father. I pray for people who are struggling as fathers. I pray for people, like I've got a dear friend who just lost his father. I pray for all those who are grieving a father they miss. I pray for all those who are fathers in so many various ways, stepfathers and grandfathers and next door neighbors who just take a minute to play catch with a kid. I pray for those who were blessed by their fathers, for whom today is a good day of good memories. I pray for those who were wounded by their fathers, for whom today is a very hard and complicated day. Mostly, God, though, we give you thanks that you are the true and perfect Father. And we just, we ask, God, that you would let us experience the rest and the peace that comes when we know that we are your children. That's what we want, God. We want the peace that comes when we know that our Heavenly Father is good and we are your child and we can trust you with our lives. Give us that peace this Father's Day for all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be together on Father's Day here in the middle of June. June, of course, I always feel like by the time you're in the middle of June, you are right in the middle of picnic and potluck season. Where just about every time you turn around, there's some social event to which you have to bring food. 
for some, for some reason, in February, we all understand it'd be a lot easier to just meet in a restaurant, wouldn't it? But not in June. In June, we all plan these events where everybody has to bring something. And I've noticed something about a pattern that Betsy and I have fallen into. Now, obviously, in our 20s, our potluck and picnic strategy was to stop by the grocery store on the way and buy whatever was on clearance. Yeah, okay, so that was our strategy for probably a decade. But lately, I've noticed we kind of have two modes when it comes to potlucks and picnics. Sometimes we remember and get so excited about the party. We'll study the guest list and the venue. And is it a lunch party or a dinner party? Is it a fancy party? And we'll plan out what we're going to bring. Betsy will find some new recipe. We'll make it three days in advance to make sure it tastes good. We'll take a couple of special trips to the grocery store so we can bring the perfect thing to the party. I call that the, the planning strategy. The other approach, though, that we take is what I call the pantry strategy. Uh, the one where you forget completely that you have an event to go to, and somewhere around 5 o'clock, when the event is at 6, your phone buzzes, and you look and see, oh my goodness, we're supposed to be at their house in 35 minutes, and we're supposed to bring food to share. This their time, there is no planning, no resume checking, no studying, and no special trips to the grocery store. There merely is that moment where you go and open the pantry doors. We've got two bags of stale pretzels. Perfect, we'll take that. Right? And these are the two possibilities, right? When it comes to picnics and potlucks, these are the two possibilities. There is the, the planning, and there is the pantry. And for the record, I am prepared to argue that both of these strategies are wonderfully appropriate for the picnics and potlucks of your life. We need some planning people. We definitely do. And if you're one of those people, the rest of us are very, very grateful. Because if it weren't for the planning people, there'd be nothing to actually eat at these parties, right? But we also need some pantry people. Because, like, if every once in a while somebody doesn't show up to your picnic with, like, marshmallows dipped in strawberry jam and pretend that's, like, what they wanted to bring, not just the last three foods that hadn't gone bad, right? But they act like, oh, yeah, this is what I, what was, yeah, marshmallows dipped in strawberry jam. It's a thing now. It'll catch on. No, you need these people, right? The ones who walk in with, like, I've got four half-eaten bags of chips, you're welcome. Like these people. Wait, so I, 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 on record, when it comes to picnics and potlucks, both these messages, perfectly appropriate, perfectly needed. Don't you feel guilty if you're the one walking in with a half-eaten three-day-old pizza. We are glad you're there, right? If you just cut it up into little bites, it'll look like you put toothpicks in it. Nobody will know the difference, okay? But today, I do want to talk about a situation where one of these methods works and one of these methods simply don't. I wanna talk about a situation where a lot of us are depending on the pantry strategy, where we are just getting in the situation, we go to the moment, we open we cut the cupboard and we hope what we need is there and it's not. And it won't be until you switch to the planning strategy. You are not gonna find it in the cupboard on accident, okay? This summer, we're looking at what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Against such things, there is no law. And what we're learning this year is that if we want the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, we have got to be rooted in the right soil. That if we plant our roots in the world or plant our roots in our own flesh, the desires of our own self, we will grow very different fruit. Fruit we don't want, fruit, quite frankly, that nobody wants, and they definitely don't want you to bring it to your picnic and pass it off as something that other people want to eat. But when we are rooted in the Spirit of God, in the Word of God, in the wisdom of God, to our great surprise, the fruit we want starts to grow. And so I just, I just want to kind of give you this word right up front. When it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, living like a pantry person doesn't work. For a potluck, it's perfect. Absolutely. I want you to show up with three cans of beets and lima beans and say, this is what every summer picnic needs. I'm all into it. I'm totally all about it. But... For the fruit of the Spirit, when we do that spiritually, it does not work out nearly as charming as we want it to. Today we're talking about the fruit of peace. We're talking about the possibility that you could begin to live in an intentional way so that when the situation demanded it and you go to your pantry, there's some peace in your pantry. You got a peace apricot, a peace banana, maybe even a whole peace watermelon. Enough peace to satisfy your hunger, enough for your family and friends, maybe even enough to share with the whole world. This fruit, peace, it is one we are commanded by Scripture to bring to the world. Um, Hebrews 12 says this, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Romans 12, 18 says this, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Uh, keep that on the screen for a second. That is a hard command of scripture. As far as it depends on you, that implies that other people aren't acting very peacefully. That implies that people around you are seeking conflict, are promoting panic. Everyone else is tearing things down. And the Bible says, even in situations like that, as far as it depends on you, bring peace to the party. I don't care if everybody else shows up with stale chips and a half-empty bottle of ranch dressing. You show up with something worth eating. I'm just going to say that is rare fruit right there. The ability to bring peace, even when people around you are bringing conflict, that is rare fruit. I'm not sure if I have a bunch of that in my pantry. Like I think if I went home right now and opened the spiritual pantry of my life, I'm not sure it'd be full of that. Just a few chapters later, again in Romans, Paul gives the same command to a church that is arguing. They're arguing about moral issues in their world. And this is what he says in the middle of that argument. He says this, let everyone therefore make an effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. 
And Jesus says that when we obey these commands, we are blessed. In fact, kids, here's a little hint for you. This is how obedience to God works. If you ever wonder, why should I obey God if Jesus loves me so much and I'm forgiven by grace? We obey God because obedience to God leads to blessing. Here's the way Jesus puts it. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. When we obey God in the command to be bringers of peace, Jesus says, you'll be blessed. But honestly, this command to bring peace, it's more than a command. It's what we want. We want to be the person who shows up with peace, right? Like just as much as we want to be the person who shows up to the picnic with the dish that everybody talks about and everybody asks for the recipe, I love it when that happens. Who am I kidding? That has never happened to me in my life. But if it did, I would love it. But in, in our spiritual, we want to bring the peace, right? Think about, think about situations maybe where you're part of a leadership decision. Maybe it's at work, you lead a corporation or you lead a team or you lead a club or, or you know, you're, you're just trying to decide where to go to dinner with your family. And, and leadership is needed and everybody else is in chaos, right? And you walk into the situation and you just know what this situation needs is a spirit of peace, and so you go to your pantry and you open the cupboards and you find no peace there. There's some panic in the pantry. There's a little bit of frustration and annoyance in the pantry. You could bring those things to the party, but there's already plenty of that. Everybody showed up to the party with panic. What else you got? A little hopelessness in there? Some anxiety maybe? Some stale anxiety, half eaten. So we get into this situation where leadership peace is needed and our pantry's empty, and so we don't have it. Maybe it's in your home, right? How many of you find yourself again and again walking into your home, into a situation, and you know in your soul what this situation needs is for me to walk in with a word of peace? Everything, if I could bring peace right now, you think to yourself, if I could bring peace right now, it would make so much difference. I could save the whole day. I could save my children's childhood if in this moment I could bring peace instead of rage. But you can only bring what's in your pantry, right? I mean, you can only take to the party what's there because you didn't plan ahead for that party, even though you knew you were going to it. You go to that party every single day of your life, but you didn't plan for it. Think about our world, right? This is the game we play right now. The game we play is where we pick sides and hate each other. It's like a really terrible game of kickball, right? This is the game. We are all playing. Let's all choose a side and let's hate the people on the other side. It's not a well-designed game. The rules are poorly understood and everybody loses. But nevertheless, that's the game that everybody's playing. And in the middle of that game, Jesus says, I bless peacemakers. And so we think, maybe I don't want to play the conflict game. And we go to our pantries. Well, everybody else, I mean, they, they, just to be clear, they definitely started it. I know you didn't start it. I'm not pretending you started it. Absol Whoever your they is, I totally agree with you. They started it. They hit first, totally, no doubt about it. Jesus says, go to your pantry and get out some peace. And we're like, I don't, I don't have any peace in the pantry. I have some anger and resentment. I have some bitterness. Will that help? 
I've got, the whole top shelf is all revenge. I have revenge in several flavors and spiciness levels. Like I'm sort of one of those connoisseurs of revenge, you know. I've got tons of that. Here's the thing. If you don't have the fruit you want for the parties you're invited to, you need better roots. You can't produce this fruit. This fruit is produce of the work of God in your life. So we're going to talk a little bit today about how you could actually reroute your life in a different place, not in yourself and selfish desires, not in the world with its conflicts and fears and anxieties, but root yourself in a different place so that the fruit of peace might actually grow. Here's what I believe is possible. I believe that you could root yourself in such a way that you grew so much peace that you'd have enough for yourself, enough for your family, enough for your friends. You'd be giving it away like zucchini in July. Because I don't want to be a pantry person anymore. For picnics, it's fine. Somebody has to show up, you know, with Nutella on, you know, saltines. I get it. Awesome. That's what you're bringing to the party. I'm even eating it. I might even like it. You could start a new trend. For picnic, it's fine. When it comes to peace, it will never work because you don't have any in your pantry. But the good news is, When the Bible commands you to bring peace, God never expected you were bringing your own peace. When the Bible says, bring peace, be a peacemaker, God didn't anticipate that you would be providing the peace. God wanted to provide the peace. Uh, Luke chapter 1, the the very introduction of Jesus, there's this dude named Zechariah, uh, and he's a prophet. And he gives this long prophecy about his son, John the Baptist. And, but he ends talking about Jesus. And he says this, Jesus is going to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of the death. And he will guide our feet into the path of peace. The Bible invites us, in fact, commands us to be rooted in the peace of God so that we might receive that peace and then we can share with other people. Jesus, John 14, he has this long conversation with his disciples. It's 14, 15, 16, 17. It's four chapters long. And near the beginning, he says this, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give you what the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. If you let Jesus come visit your house, you will, after he leaves, go to the pantry and discover that he just stocked it full of peace. He says, I'm just going to give you my peace. Later in the same conversation, John 16, but it's all the same conversation, he says this to them. I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. So that's where you're going to have peace, in me. Not in the world. In the world, you're going to have trouble. Like if you are rooting yourselves into the world and you grow fruit of anxiety and conflict, well, that should be no surprise. That's what you find in the world. But he says, in me, you will have peace. And then he says this amazing thing. He said, but take heart because I have overcome the world. The peace you find in me is actually bigger, stronger, more vibrant, more alive than the trouble you find in the world. Paul teaches us this same principle. He says in Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds. He says, you go to God with your requests 
and it won't make any sense. It'll transcend understanding. You won't understand it. But the peace of God will guard your heart against all those anxieties and worries, all that trouble in the world. I just want to give you a, 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 an invitation, a challenge. I want to awaken your expectations that you could root your life in such a way that you had peace to spare. Think about some of those situations that we talked about earlier, right? That leadership situation where everything is going bad and everybody around you is panicking and, and you just know somebody needs to bring some peace into this room. Well, what if you had really rooted your life in that stuff we just read where Jesus says, I'm just going to give you my peace. Oh yeah, in the world we have trouble, but I have overcome the world. If you had rooted yourself in that truth, then maybe you could just say, hey, I know this is bad, uh, but I serve a God that's bigger than the world. We're going to get through this. Nothing the world throws at us can, can destroy us because Jesus has overcome the world. I'm not going to, well, this is a world problem. And world problems are never the final problem because Jesus has overcome the world. What if you could bring that kind of calm to your leadership of, of whether it's a, a business or it's a home or it's a club, you know? If you could bring that kind of calm. I'm not going to stress about this fight that we're having about what fast food restaurant we're going to eat at. Because Jesus has overcome fast food. That's hard for me to believe. I'm a fan. But that's what the Bible says is that Jesus has overcome what fast food restaurant you're going to eat at on a Tuesday afternoon. Or, or what about the conflicts in our community, right? That thing we're all supposed to do where we pick a side and hate everybody who's not on our side, right? What about that? Like, what if you didn't want to be part of that problem, but you wanted to actually be a peacemaker? Here's my advice to you. Root your life in Ephesians chapter 2. Listen to what Ephesians chapter 2 says. Remember, at one time, you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel. You were a rebel against the king. You were a foreigner to the covenant of the promise. Without hope and without a God in the world. But now... In Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. He has made the two groups of people one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of the hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. If you were rooted in that soil, I think, I just absolutely believe, if you rooted yourself in that soil, then when the people around you started choosing sides and picking a fight, you would go to your pantry and you would find an apple apiece right there. And you would just say, I'm so sorry. I don't think I can participate in this because my God died for them. My God loves them. My God died on a cross and rose for a dead so that all of humanity might be reunited under the citizenship of the king as children of God. They are intended, that person you want me to hate is actually intended by God to be my brother or sister in Christ. And I think that's gonna make the family reunions awkward. And so I won't participate in this. 
That's a different fruit. That's fruit that everybody, I mean, you show up at the party with that, people are glad you came. I remember as a little boy, church picnics, there was a lady in the church, um, she still lives around here. You might know her. Her name was Sharon Chupa. And Sharon Chupa made this cake called Ho-Ho Cake. And every once in a while, Sharon Chupa was late to the potluck. And when Sharon Chupa was late to the potluck, my brother and I suddenly didn't fight to be first in line. Now, usually we wanted to be first in line, but not when Sharon Chupa was late to the potluck because that meant there was no Ho-Ho Cake. Instead, we were watching the parking lot. <laughs> watching the parking lot. When we saw Sharon Chupa's car arrive, we went and got in the back of the line because if we knew we were careful, we could time it just right. So we hit the dessert table just as she set that ho-ho cake down. And you know, if you're there before it's been sliced and you look real cute with the big puppy dog eyes, they'll cut you a bigger piece. That's the way it works. We were ho-ho cake ninjas, Right? Because we wanted what Sharon Chupa brought to the potluck. Let me tell you, if you could bring peace to the potluck of conflict and hate that is in our world, people would line up for the fruit you serve. And they would say, where did you get that fruit? And you would say, Jesus put it in my pantry. Like, it's not even my fruit. I can't grow this fruit. You know, I grow the same fruit y'all do, or we hate everybody. That's the only fruit I know how to grow. Jesus put this in my pantry. Kids, I want to talk to you. This is something you can do in your world, right? You show up in worlds all the time where your friends are ready to fight over nothing. Fight over who's going to kick the ball first, who gets to be the line leader. We fight over everything. You could be the one who says, yeah, I don't want to fight about that um, because Jesus loves everybody, and so I'm trying to do the same thing. Jesus says, I mean, you can quote, if you want to quote Ephesians 2 and sound all smart, you can. Jesus has broken down the dividing wall of hostility between all humanity and created in himself one new humanity out of two. You can go that route if you want to, or you can just say, Jesus loves everybody, so I will too. Parents, let me speak a word to you today, okay? And I, I, I want to say this. Um, I don't want to be any harder than I have to be but I wanna be just hard enough to wake you up to what God wants to do in your life and call you to correction if you are ignoring what God wants to do in your life, okay? Parents, if you are currently bringing into your home chaos and panic and rage, if that's what you are bringing into your home, I want to let you know you could bring peace instead. You just can't do it under your own strength. You can't do it out of your own fruit basket. You will have to bring the peace of Christ. But you could do it. I, I just want to, I want to say, if what you're currently bringing is chaos and rage, and, and if that's you, I just want to say, I don't say this in judgment, I have been there. I, I preached this first service in between. I was talking with my wife. I was remembering a time when I, I, I came home. I can't remember exactly what it was, but my children had broken some toy. It was a toy I didn't even like, but I'd spend a little money on it. And I just unloaded on them. And then I walked down the hall, and we had a little house so we could hear it. And I, I heard them say to my wife, wow, dad must have really liked that toy because that made him really mad. But you and I both know, I wasn't mad about the toy. 
I was mad about something that happened at work that they had nothing to do with. But I couldn't unload on my boss or I'd get fired. So I held on to it. And I waited till I got home. And I saw the first two people that I could unload on without there being any consequences. And I unloaded on them. Except there were consequences. The consequence was that instead of bringing peace into my home, I brought chaos. And I brought fear. Fear that wasn't in my home till I carried it into the house. And so parents, I just want to say, you don't have to carry that stuff into your house. You could be a bringer of peace instead. It's going to start, though, with you taking seriously what God has done for you. I want you to look at some truth with me. Ready? Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. Because of Jesus, no matter what you've done, you can have peace with God and stand in grace. If you instead feel like you are under the judgment of God, if you feel like you are under the wrath of God or you feel like you're under the judgment of other people, that's what happened to me that day. I felt under the judgment of other people. And so I just took the judgment that they put on me and I put it on my kids. I didn't want to carry that judgment. I thought I'd have my kids carry it. If you are living with the sense that you are under the judgment of God or under the judgment of men, you will have no peace to give. You'll go to your pantry and all you'll find is the fruit of judgment. And so that's what you will give to your children. But if you are rooted in the truth, that God is no longer at war with you, but if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, you have peace with God and you stand in grace. Well, then you'll go to the pantry and you'll find it's full of peace. You'll find it's full of grace. If only I had my way in the door said, my boss might be mad at me, but God loves me. And so I'm gonna treat my children like God treated me, not like my boss did. Wouldn't that have been amazing? I could have showed up into a house of chaos with a gift of peace. And I, I, I need you to hear this, parents. Your children already live in a world of chaos. They already live in a world of fear. But you can become, you can do this. This is possible by the power of God. You can become a parent who brings peace into your home if you will root yourself in the peace of God. Some of you don't know this, and you don't know it because your parents didn't know it, okay? I know all of us are messed up because our parents messed us up, and they're messed up because their parents messed us up. But I want to tell you a thing many people don't know. You don't have to give all of your anxiety to your children. There's no requirement. All that anxiety and fear and insecurity you have, you don't have to give it all to your children. You're worried about your looks and your health. You don't have to give all that to your kids. You don't have to give all your rage to your children. That was a shocker for me when somebody told me that. I was halfway through raising my kids and somebody said, you know, you don't have to give all that rage away to your children. You don't have to give it to your kids. Here's what you can do instead. You can trade it with God. It's amazing. God says... How's this for a deal? God says, you give me all your anxiety. 
You give me all your fear and insecurity. You give me all your rage and bitter injustice. Give it all to me. I'll trade you for peace. I'll trade you for grace. It says, cast all your cares on the Lord. And in return, he'll give you peace. Enough for you. Enough for your spouse. Enough for your kids. In fact, if, if you let him, God will give you enough peace to give to your ex. I know some of you don't believe me. There is that much peace. God could do it. I want to tell you real practically about a practice that I was given. Um, somebody taught it to me when my kids were like nine months old and two. Uh, and I did it almost through all of my, you know, active parenting years. It's not perfect. Uh, my kids and my wife would tell you there's still plenty of times that what I brought into my home was chaos and fear. And if that's you, if you're like me and you got some of that, find a chance to apologize to your kids. They didn't need to bear the rage you were feeling. That wasn't their fault. So apologize to your kids. But this practice did help me. It changed. I, I, I know this to be true. This practice changed the nature of the home my children grew up in. Somebody gave it to me. I can't remember who. It's got a dumb name. It's called a worry bush. Here's what I did. When I drove home from work, you'll have to think about your own situation for how this works to you. I know a guy, he would stop at a little park about a half mile from his home. But for me, we had sort of a long driveway. And so I would turn off the road into the driveway and I would stop just as soon as I got out of traffic. And right next to the end of our driveway was a bush that I hated. I cut that thing down like five times over 10 years. It would grow back in 10 minutes. I hated this bush. So I would sit there at the driveway, seeing my house in front of me, about 30 feet away from me, and I would pray. And I told God that all the stress, frustration, regret, shame, embarrassment, failure that I had experienced throughout that day, I was just going to leave right there at the bush. And I would not carry my rage, my bitterness, my regret, my disappointment. I would not carry it into my home. I was, I was going to ask God. I, I would pray that prayer in Philippians. I would say, God, these are all my anxieties. These are all my worries. These are all my rage. Would you guard my heart with peace? That's what, that's what Paul promised, right? If we pray, prayer and petition, God will guard, I would pray, God, would you guard my heart with peace? I want to walk into my house as a man of peace. And right this minute, my pantry is empty. There is no peace in the pantry. I just looked. And I'm 30 feet from the door. Please, God. Please, God. Day after day, I prayed that prayer. I was not always perfect. I did sometimes carry into my house the chaos of the world, the rage in my soul, the anxiety. Plenty of times I carried that in. Plenty of times I kept my roots in my flesh. I kept my roots in the world and I bore the fruit that naturally results of that. Again, Romans 8, we've got to remind ourselves when we are rooted in the flesh, it says this, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with their spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. 
When I was rooted in my flesh, the fruit I bore was the fruit of death, and so that was all I had to give to my children. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And that practice, which I would just offer to you, if you're in those early parenting years, I would just offer this to you as a gift. That was one of the core practices that helped me stay rooted in God's Spirit so that I might see the fruit of peace grow in a way that I could share it with my children. Still today, I'm not perfect at this, but I want this fruit. And I hope you want it too. And to do that, to taste the fruit of peace, to have so much that we can share it, we will have to be rooted in Christ. This is not a pantry picnic situation, okay? You show up at my house on 4th of July with stale Pretzels, you are welcome. Awesome. I won't even ask. But in this situation, we got to plan for the picnic. Which means we have to put our roots in God's spirit, put our roots in God's word, so that the fruit of peace might grow in our lives. Let me close with a prayer from the book of Romans. Uh, The book of Romans talks a lot about peace. And near the end, there's a prayer. And I'll let it be my prayer for you today. Then we're going to worship. If you need to talk more or need me to pray for you, I'll be over here as we close in worship. Let's pray together. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him, as you root yourself in him so that you may overflow overflow into the lives of your children and your family, overflow into this world, overflow into your situations of leadership and influence so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray this to the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Amen.